0: Welcome to GW Integrative Medicine, the podcast about disease prevention and health promotion from the Office of Integrative Medicine and Health at the George Washington University School of Medicine and Health Sciences.
1: I'm Dr. Misha Kogan, Associate Professor of Medicine here at GW and Medical Director of the GW Center for Integrative Medicine.
0: And I'm Janet Rodriguez, the Office's Administrative Director. Today we talk to Christine Teal. MD, the Chief of Breast Surgery at the George Washington University Hospital, and Rachel Brem, MD, who is the Vice Chair of Radiology and Director of the Breast Imaging and Intervention Center.
1: They are the authors of No Longer Radical, Understanding Mastectomies and Choosing the Breast Cancer Care That's Right for You, published in May 2023. It's a life-saving and empowering guide to understanding breast cancer detection, prevention, and treatment options. Welcome to GW Integrative Medicine, Christine Rachel.
2: Thank you for having us. We're delighted to be here. Thank you. Yeah,
1: it's so wonderful you you decided to join. I think I think the book. Um, I for full disclaimer, I'm only two thirds through the book, but but I find it such a critical writing. Um, I think, well. Unfortunately, breast cancer is, is, is the one of the most common breast one of the most common cancers, and a lot of women will be affected by it. And I think it's a very common concern that the, the strategies of care and understanding um, what's what's the best for a given given patient is is not all that easy to come about. And there's so many questions. So it's so wonderful that you wrote this book. Um, what prompted you to do that? And why did you both decided to collaborate and write it?
3: Well, I, I'll start because I have always wanted to write a book with Rachel. Her story is just really quite incredible. Um, she was very progressive in choosing to have bilateral mastectomies back in 1997 when she tested positive for BRCA mutation. And it was rarely being done then, um, the fact that she found her own cancer two weeks before and Rachel can tell her story, uh, just uh, was, was quite incredible that she was testing out ultrasound equipment. And I chose to share my story in 2011 with the Washingtonian when I chose to have bilateral mastectomies. And it reached so many women that I thought, wow, if we could write a book that could reach even more women, it would be really amazing. And I was thankful that Rachel was excited to do it.
2: And and for me, the opportunity to work together with Christy on this, you know, it sort of um, integrated our personal and professional passion. So, uh, you know, Christy will share her story. My story started when I was 12, when my mother had breast cancer and uh, changed our family's life profoundly. And breast cancer became sort of every fiber of my being Um, obviously I chose to go into that field as well as, uh, you know, impact, it impacted my family so, so deeply, but I think the other pieces being on both sides of the, of the gurney, if you will, really gave us an understanding. So when we talk to our patients and nowhere in medicine, are there so many profound choices asked of patients? How do I screen for breast cancer? Is mammography enough? If I have breast cancer, you know, the doctors will say, do you want a mastectomy or a lumpectomy? And obviously the answer is I really don't want either of them, but what do I really need to know to make the best decision for me? And we started from the premise that the right decision is different for different people. And we wanted to be there to empower women with the information they needed, whether it's how to best screen, how to best treat, how to best support someone as a life partner uh, with someone who was just diagnosed with breast cancer but we just wanted to do it from a position of of power because knowledge is power and it the you are being asked patients are being asked to have so many decisions that uh happen at a time that's so tumultuous in life so we we really wanted to arm women with the real information they needed and even as breast cancer doctors both of us Going through the experience, we learned things we didn't know about. So we wanted to share and empower women with that.
1: You know, the, the whole story is extremely personal to both of you. And I think, um, you know, I was kind of reflecting in my own life. My my mom, thank God, never had breast cancer, but my best friend's mom died at 48. And I actually witnessed that. And then in residency, one of my best friends uh, my one of my best friends from residency recently had a scare and chose to do double mastectomy. So I think I think everybody, no matter whether you're man or woman, you're going to look into this, and it's going to be somewhere very close to the home. Um, I think that's actually what makes the book is so personalable and so relatable that I, I actually think that not just women but men need to read it because uh, women in their life potentially, actually, very likely going to be affected. Um, you, you have a lot of personal stories in the book. Um, you want either of you comment on a particular case that that just strikes you as something very, very uh, unique and specific and special?
3: Actually, one of my favorite stories is in the chapter for the loved ones, um, Kara Sharp, and she actually is one of our patients. Her video is featured on the Medical Faculty Associates website, and also on the No Longer Radical website, which is the website for our book. But she was only 25 when she was diagnosed with breast cancer. She was found to have a BRCA1 mutation when she was 25. And she did everything right. She did a mammogram, and then six months later, she did an MRI. And that's when Rachel found her triple negative breast cancer that led her to not only end up having bilateral mastectomies, but also chemotherapy. And the feature in that story is about her father, who's a gynecologist, Jeff, and the pain that he went through after having his wife die from breast cancer in her early 30s when Kara was very young to now watching his daughter go through the decision about having mastectomies and then have to be treated with chemotherapy.
2: And and I think what you, Misha, what you talk about is really one of the the unique aspects of No Longer Radical. And again, one of the reasons we wrote the book. There are certainly breast cancer books out there, but the difference with No Longer Radical is that this is the factual part of breast cancer, but also has the emotional space so that as people, men and women, as you so appropriately point out, go through the book, we um, have the space that people can relate to. <clears throat> you know, we have a chapter on breast cancer in young women. W- young women, we talk about, you know, what's that like? What's it like dating after breast cancer? What's sex like after breast cancer? And then we have chapters about, you know, postmenopausal breast cancer. So we try to really target the issues that are, you know, critical to women. And, you know, just want to point out again how difficult breast cancer is in terms of the burden put on women, whether it's how to screen, only this, you know, recently there have been so many different recommendations for how to screen for breast cancer. And, you know, <clears throat> what are the risk factors for breast cancer? So you know, when we first started educating women, we we, we would say, what do you think the number one risk factor is? And almost invariably it would be a family history. You know, gratefully now there's a lot about breast density and that's very timely because the FDA came out last month with federal regulations that are going to be law by September, 2024, that every woman will need to know what her breast density is. But we want to make sure that women with dense breast tissue know that They also have an increased risk of breast cancer, and that mammography alone is not enough for them. So again, the same thing is true with uh, treatment for breast cancer. You know, uh, if you have strep throat, you're given an antibiotic. But with breast cancer, at a time that is so difficult in one's life, women and their families, and we're very sensitive to their families and their support networks and their loved ones. Have to make these really difficult decisions. You know, the, you may have an appointment with an oncologist that says, well, if you take chemotherapy, your risk reduction is some per- percentage. Well, how do you decide what, what to do about that? And, you know, it's kind of fascinating that it turns out that uh, if you go to a male surgeon, you're 80% more likely to have a lumpectomy because, um, you know, it, It is sort of the in vogue treatment and is, in fact, the right treatment for many women as long as it's made eyes wide open. But it's very important for women who choose that to know, well, you know, the recurrence rate is a half a percent per year and that your risk of a second cancer in that breast or in the other breast is really uh, substantially higher than the general population. And you started out by saying, you know, Breast cancer is, in fact, the number one breast cancer, number one cancer in women, not only in the United States but globally, and the number two killer of women. So, um, you know, it's very, very important. And you know, we we also want women to know that uh, you really do have to start screening at forty because breast cancer in younger women is much more aggressive, divides quicker, and screening is extremely critical in this population. And in fact. of uh, breast cancers occur in women under 50.
0: I would argue that for some women, you may want to try and get screened as early as 35. I was 35 when I um, got my first uh, mammogram, and three years later, I had breast cancer at 38. So for some of us, 40 is fine, but for others... 30, 35 may save
2: your life. And and I'm so glad you brought that up because, um, the American college of radiology last month came out with new recommendations. And there was the recommendation was at the age of 25, every woman should have her risk assessed because we need to know who is indeed at higher risk and who needs earlier, more intensive screening and not wait until what happened to you happened. So, um, You know, there are certain populations of women that are, are, the whole population is at higher risk, Black women, Ashkenazi Jewish women, um, and they should start screening earlier. Uh, But for others who may or may not be at average risk, having a risk assessment at the age of 25 will define people like you who should get screened earlier than age 40. Just get
0: your, your base mammogram, ladies. Just do it important absolutely now one of the things that we haven't mentioned and and we should just recognize the fact that men get breast cancer too so we've we've been talking a lot about women and and the and the men and women's lives and i just wanted to put it out there that my brothers who have breast cancer
3: or or are survivors we recognize you Absolutely, and it it definitely is not a focus in our book. But men with breast cancer are uh, definitely should be tested for the BRCA mutation. Um, that's def- uh, number one cause of breast cancer in men. Um, but any man who feels a lump that feels unfamiliar should get in and get a mammogram and ultrasound and have a full evaluation.
2: And it, you, you're so 1% of breast cancer occurs in men. So about there are about 225,000 new cases of breast cancer in the United States every year, a little over uh, 2000 occur in men. So it's it's um, absolutely true. And the other thing we do talk about in the, in the book is the transgender population. And five or 10 years ago, we really didn't know how to screen, but we've done this now for a while. And we do uh, address um, the need for screening in transgender women who've had estrogen for more than five years and also uh, deal with how to screen transgender men Um, after gender reassignment. So I I think this is a very dynamic area. uh, But again, it's all about empowering people, uh, men and women, whether, you know, whatever their gender at birth with the information they need to optimize breast cancer detection. And it's really important to know that early breast cancer is, is, very treatable, is very curable. 95% of early stage breast cancers uh, result in people living five years and more and thriving, not just surviving. I don't like that word. We thrive, we don't survive. But if it's really important not just to talk about um, survival, but we have to talk about what is the journey that the woman or man has to go through to get to survival. And with an earlier breast cancer, the what we call intensity of care is less, less aggressive surgery, less aggressive treatments. So the endpoint of survival is, of course, important. But what do you have to go through? And how do you advocate for yourself that if you do have breast cancer, it's early curable breast cancer that's found? And that's really the focus of this book.
1: Yeah, I love how you concentrate a lot on recovery. Uh, You know, there's a lot of books that kind of go into a decision making and you know like should you take mastectomy versus chemotherapy or hormonal but i really like how a second half of the book is so deeply concentrated on okay well you know you have to thrive and there's well-known ways of doing it let's talk about that a little because i really want us to to really concentrate on what you just said which is this kind of a positive aspect that most women and men will recover from this illness and go on living life often completely normal life. So let's talk about what what is the best current um, kind of this recovery plan, if you will.
3: Well, I love that you bring that up, Dr. Kogan, because you know that an area that is near and dear to my heart is collaborating with the Center for Integrative Medicine. And I learned about that back when my best friend Laurie was treated for breast cancer at the age of 34 when she was living in Colorado. And it was very um, important to her and her recovery that she was able to work with a naturopath and have Reiki therapy um, in addition to the physical therapy that she needed. And I'm so thankful that we have the Center for Integrative Medicine at GW so that we can provide such services. What I would love to see is better insurance coverage so that all patients can have access to these services. And as you know, we've been very fortunate to be able to do some fundraising so that we can cover the cost for patients, but it would be nice if everywhere patients could have access. To services such as yours, and that what you provide at the Center for Integrative Medicine.
2: The other thing um, that we're very proud of, and that is covered in no longer radical, the book, of course, is that it's a way of identifying needs in the community. So about 20 years ago, uh, we started a foundation with a number of my patients called the Brem Foundation, and you know we we sort of take lemons and make lemonade. So take breast cancer and try to figure out how do we help our community? How do we improve the world around us? And we do that by educating women and men from all socioeconomic uh, levels, as well as support care in the underserved community, and and find um, novel, as as Christy said, you know Christy's so committed to breaking down every barrier so that uh, people who are undergoing breast cancer treatment to have what they need. And the Brehm Foundation has uh, started this very novel program called Wheels for Women, where we partner with Lyft because mammograms, screening mammograms are, are free, no copay, no deductible. But if you're underserved and you can't get there, then um, it's not going to help you. So we have developed this program, as I said, Wheels for Women, where we take women at no cost to them to their screening mammogram. So they can have this life-saving exam as well and try to break down barriers of um, of optimal care. And, you know, that, that actually uh, brings de- back another issue in terms of underserved communities. You know, breast cancer is not the same everywhere. The death rate from breast cancer has gone down 40% over the past two decades, you know, nearly half. So in 2002, the death rate from breast cancer was almost double what it is today. So that's kind of Amazing, but the sad part is that Black American women are forty percent more likely to die of breast cancer. And so, as we address this unacceptable healthcare disparity, we have to really think about excellent care, not just care in the underserved community, because quality matters. And you know, again, we're trying to educate all people who who get no longer radical our book to uh, understand that they need to advocate for themselves. Whether it be going to a center of excellence, or whether it be finding a lump that their doctor keeps telling them, and Janet, you're going to really relate to this—you're too young to have breast cancer. So they have to advocate for themselves. And if you know you get an, a, a, an opinion that you're not comfortable with, as an as an empowered woman, you need to go and get another opinion because it can really be life saving.
1: Yeah, I think the, the the whole point of this dramatic. Um, racial disparity in outcomes um, should be concerning for everybody. I I think it's such a multifactorial point. Um, Unfortunately, you know, the reality is it's, you look at about all the risk factors for breast cancer, and and I like how you mentioned environmental, for example, and of course, those risks are going to be higher at the minority population, which Uh, unfortunately, I think system, not just healthcare system, but the general society just does not bring enough attention to. um, So hopefully podcasts like this in your book is going to help to move the needle.
2: We were very excited about the opportunity to change the narrative of breast cancer. And um, again, we're really trying to educate women Although the name of the book is No Longer Radical, Understanding Mastectomies and Choosing the Breast Cancer Care That's Right for You, Christy and I are not pro-mastectomies. We are pro-educating women so that they, and men, so that they can make the best decisions for themselves and for their families as long as it's done, you know, again, eyes wide open. Really, we're all about information is power. And we're not passing judgment on what the best decision is. We're just saying, understand, this is what you really need to know, which you might not be told. And uh, and that's what you'll under- need to make the best decision for you. So um, I, th- I think that that's really important for the people listening to this podcast to know that we partner with them to get the information they need. We're not at all deciding for them what is best. And the
3: title No Longer Radical came from when I was interviewed with Robin Roberts on Good Morning America back in 2011. The title of the interview was Breast Surgeon Makes Radical Decision. Um, And I really reflected on that because when I was making my decision to have mastectomies, I had a lot of support from friends and colleagues, but I had many colleagues who said I didn't need to do that. And they weren't living in my shoes and they weren't watching their mother die from breast cancer as I was. And I thought, why is it radical? Why is it considered radical? And that was how we came up with the title because even today, women are made to feel that it's a radical decision if they choose to do bilateral mastectomies and it shouldn't be that way.
0: What part of the whole entire woman propaganda, what makes you a woman propaganda, do you think plays in what, um, people will say to somebody that says, I'm going to have a radical, uh, a, a double mastectomy and, um, you know, people who are trying to talk them out of that, like some of your colleagues who told you that, you know, you didn't need to have that.
2: You, you know, I'm I'm going to step back and say, you know, Christy talked about writing the book. The, the first time I really thought about writing a book, and it's it relates to the question you just asked, was uh, I was, it was a Sunday morning, drinking coffee, reading the front page of the New York Times. And there was an article about, Breast cancer, and it was written by someone who has not stood in the shoes that Christy and I have stood in, and it said, "You know, you why would you ever uh, cut out normal tissue? You know, if you should do everything you can to save your breasts." And I went from being, you know, angry to red face to steam coming out of my ears because Mm -hmm. that person is not the person who can understand what it's like to wake up every morning. And have to worry about a new cancer in the breast that was treated or in another, in, in the other breast. Now, again, for most people, a lumpectomy is a great way to go, but they have to just understand what the implications of that are. So that was really the first time that I thought, you know, we really have to um, share the information that we know as both patients as daughters, you know, we are daughters of women who suffered from breast cancer. My mother had breast cancer, as I mentioned to you, when she was 33, I was 12. Um, you know, she, she was told she had six months to live. She lived 44 years and ultimately died cancer free, likely of complications from the too numerous to count times she had chemotherapy. Mm -hmm. But um, you know the other thing that's very interesting that I mentioned is the gender of your surgeon is really important. And you know, Christy, maybe you'll talk about that and and what our our doctor patients often choose. Um, I, I there
3: is a trend in the literature that um, first of all, seeing a surgeon who is understanding that those patients are more likely to choose mastectomies. Um, And as Rachel had mentioned earlier in the podcast, um, female surgeons were more likely to offer mastectomies to patients. There's another interesting movement going on now of women choosing no reconstruction and going flat. And there's going to be... um, through Mandy Chapman's group um, an a a webinar about that, because these women who choose not to have reconstruction and decide to go flat are feeling judged by their surgeons. And we do address um, the option of going flat in our book, because that certainly is a personal choice that a woman makes. And most certainly should not be one that is judged. I agree. You know, there's one
1: uncomfortable issue, and and I, I want us to talk a little bit about it. Um, as a person who sort of end up often, uh, and it's just not not just me, but also um, Dr. asser who's our naturopathic doctor who sees a lot of um, Dr. Tills patient patients. Um, we end up often in a situation where. You know, there's going to be kind of a, I'm not going to be afraid of saying this, a turf war be, between an oncology and the surgery where the oncologists say, no, you know, the, the chemotherapy is going to be relatively safe. And I always feel like that the whole point of uh, the side effects of chemo and radiation are often minimized. And we are the ones who often, after on more of an integrative approach, try to manage the side effects. And, you know, and frankly, I just be frank, we don't really manage the side effects of post-surgery as much as we manage the post-radiation and post-chemotherapy side effects. And and I think that's often like a little bit of an under- discussed topic you know what will be safer in the long run for a given woman a bilateral mastectomy which after may not require much of treatment maybe some radiation versus you know lumpectomy with an increased risk of subsequent additional treatments so christy particularly i, I want you to talk a little bit about that because you're of course looking at this more from surgical perspective but And we don't have an oncologist today, but I think we should really discuss this because I feel like often some women don't end up getting the kind of an appropriate um, balanced opinion here. And I really like how the book goes into great detail covering this.
3: Well, this is where it's so important to go to a, a center where there is a true team approach to patient care. Um, We have a weekly tumor board where all of our patients are presented before they have surgery, after they have surgery, before they have chemotherapy, before they have radiation, so that we have a true team approach to patient care. And if it's fragmented, which it often is in many places, that's where you will have problems with managing symptoms or patients not getting um, the holistic care that we are so fortunate to have here at GW and to be able to include some of the services from the integrative medicine to help patients. Uh, One small example is the neuropathy that one of the most common chemotherapies, Taxol causes, can be significantly improved um, just by working with a naturopath such as Dr. Orsayer.
2: And I think, uh, you know, Christy was a nutrition major. I think we have to think about supporting the entire person. And that's really something that we focus on as well. So, you know, there is some about nutrition, but there's more very practical ways to seek out the help that you need in this very multidimensional, whole person, holistic approach to breast cancer, which we do at our center you know, along with you and along with others, you know, with you and and those at your integrative medicine center. And we just want to remind those people who are going through therapy, whether it be for breast cancer or any other cancer, that you have to really look at the person at the whole. And that is what No Longer Radical does. It really looks at the person as the whole um, and talks about and, and goes through the entire cycle as it relates to breast cancer, from optimal screening, to diagnosis, to treatment, and as you mentioned, Misha, to support.
1: Well, um, we'd love to keep you guys longer. Maybe we'll have you come back soon, um, but we have to wrap up soon. So anything last uh, that we haven't asked you that you'd like our listeners to know?
2: From my perspective, it's don't forget to get your mammograms. Breast cancer is not a death sentence. It is a you know curable disease for many, many women and uh, mammograms starting at 40 every year. Just to remember that even though some of the recommendations are starting at 50 or every other year, the only way we can maintain the reduction in the mortality, the death rate from breast cancer is by screening and as well as, of course, the extraordinary advances in therapy. Um, And that we do in No Longer Radical, our book, we do have information about what's on the horizon. We talk about artificial intelligence and liquid biopsies and other things that are um, in the near future. So, uh, you know, I hope that you uh, enjoy and learn from No Longer Radical and become educated and empowered. And that's why we did it. And as
3: you mentioned earlier, Dr. Kogan, throughout the book are patient stories. Um, And the goal of that was to help women as they're reading through it or their family members be able to relate a little bit as they're making the difficult decisions about whether they do mastectomies or whether lumpectomy is the right direction for them to go and understand about the treatments that are going to be recommended to them.
1: Well, wonderful. Thank you both so much. Uh, We would love to catch up with you in a while later. Maybe there will be some updates to the book. Um, And unfortunately for now, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for joining us.
0: This is the GW Integrative Medicine podcast from the GW Office of Integrative Medicine and Health. I'm Dr. Misha Kogan. And I'm Janet Rodriguez. Thanks for listening.
2: The Office of Integrative Medicine and Health produces the GW Integrative Medicine podcast with funds from your donations. Your generosity allows us to raise awareness of the benefits of integrating whole-person care, including evidence-based complementary therapies, into healthcare broadly. Help us continue to grow the podcast by making a tax-deductible donation on our website, smhs.gwu.edu OIMH. Click the Give Now button on the left. While you're there, sign up for our free monthly newsletter for even more evidence-based content, including free webinars.